What's up, girl? Welcome to the Every Single Mom podcast, a community and resource for you that brings you healing conversations, tools and shifts to thrive, and a new perspective on living in peace, pleasure, and power as a single mom. We dive into topics around empowered co-parenting, trust, trauma healing, money, goals, dreams, self-love, God, and everything in between single motherhood. These tools that I'm bringing you are unfortunately not well known in the single mom community. And so it's my mission to bring these tools and shifts that have changed my life to you. Plus make them easily accessible to single moms everywhere. I am so excited you're here and I cannot wait to dive in. Let's get started. What's up guys? Welcome to the Every Single Mom podcast. I am so excited today because today is our very first guest episode and you guys are going to absolutely love what you're about to hear. And so this is actually a partnered live on Instagram that I did with my friend Chris, um, but it turned out absolutely incredible. So I wanted to make sure I shared it here. And also, I knew this was going to be like the perfect first guest episode because of the topic we talk about, which I'm going to share with you in just a second. But first, I wanted to let you know that this podcast has an incredible group over on Facebook that's totally free and you should definitely go join it because if you are anything like me, you're a single mom who wants community and who wants support. And so that is exactly what the every single mom community is over on Facebook. I go live there. um, I dive into topics that we talk on the show about even deeper. And it's such a beautiful space to just be receive support. Um, and get to know each other as a community of single moms. So head on over there. The link to it is in the show notes, and I cannot wait to see you on that side. So our guest today, his name is Chris Melbourne, and he is from Australia, which is super cool because he is on the complete opposite side of me in Southern California. Um, So we're actually in different days in time zones that we recorded this. Um, But anyways, this episode is all about co-parenting. He is a co-parenting coach. Um, So this episode is all about co-parenting and how to approach conversations with your co-parent feeling empowered. Now, it's really cool because we get into it from a mom's point of view and then also from a dad's point of view, which I, I really feel is super powerful as single moms listening to this because it shows you what is available to you as a single mom towards your co-parent. And also it shows you kind of like how they think, I guess, and what it's like to be a co-parent on the other side. So Chris is an amazing co-parent coach. He, he has tons of tools, tons of techniques he uses. Make sure you go check him out on Instagram. I'm not going to go any further into this introduction. I just want to get started so you can hear this. Let's do it. Alrighty. So Chris, can you introduce yourself first? Um, A bunch of people on, I'm going to wave at them and you introduce yourself, tell them what you do, and then we're going to get into the topics. 
Yeah, cool. So uh, Taylor and I were just talking about the the differences, but the similarities um, in what we both do. So I concentrate purely on co-parenting. Um, my uh, my sort of backstory is uh, I've been co-parent for five years now. Um, my son is seven years old. Uh, my co-parent is one of my best mates. And um, uh, yeah, that's pretty much me. So my job is to, to help uh, make uh, co-parents' lives and decisions um, more effective um, and keep them sustainable as well through a whole lot of personal growth and, uh, and education, skills, knowledge and material. I love it. And so what you guys are going to get today is just a perspective from both a mom's point of view and a dad's point of view. So it's going to be so cool. All right. Yeah. So my name's Taylor. I'm a coach for single moms. Um, I had my son super young. I had him at 19 years old. And so that brought up a lot of um, self-worth issues, um, just a lot of inward issues that started to manifest in my relationship with my co-parent. And so um, I found myself just feeling very resentful and frustrated and nothing, everything was feeling hard. Um, it wasn't until I deep dove into my own healing that things started to work out, um, that our relationship is now amazing. And we actually live together as co-parents, which is pretty cool. Um, and something that I like to, I don't want to say brag about, but yeah, brag about that we're able to do that. So that's me. We're going to get into these topics. If you guys want to reach out to any of us, you're on my profile. Um, you can always reach out to Chris with any questions. So totally open to that. Um, we are going to talk about first feeling empowered in conversations with your co-parents. So Chris, I would love to hear whatever tips you have to talk about, about this, um, whatever you have to say, go for it. Absolutely. So my first thing would be to um, have a written agenda um, for your conversation before you actually have it. So within that agenda, uh, it would be to have a goal for it. Um, so before you go into the conversation, what I find a lot with co-parents and their conversations is that um, they try and have a conversation on the spot. So it normally happens at changeover. So when you're getting your kids or when you're giving your kids um, and it comes up then because you want to minimise communication, especially in a tense environment. So you try and have those conversations at changeover. And what that can lead to is a really high conflict situation in front of your kids. Um, so what I normally suggest is make an appointment time Treat them as a business client or a business partner and make an appointment time with them within 48 hours. So say, for example, if it's about child support, uh, hi, sir, I don't know, whatever their name is, <laughs> I'd like to have a conversation with you about child support. Do you have a time within the next two days that we can do this? All right. From that point, it's very clean cut. It's very straight. All right. I would like to talk about these points. Is there any points that you would also like to talk about? All right. If you've got a minimum of 24 hours, maximum of 48 hours before you have that actual conversation with your co-parent, it gives you a really, really good chunk of time to be able to prepare what you need to prepare for for that conversation, including the points that they've given you and vice versa as well. Um, a lot of the times when it does get into a hostile type situation is because there has been no preparation from either end and someone is feeling like they're being attacked and their walls go up they get a release of cortisol through their mind and they really stress out. So I love that. Agenda, you're you're going to have a, a much better um, uh, format for you to have that conversation, especially if you've got written goals at the end that you can keep going back to. Yes. Oh, no worries. Yeah. So I love that. Um, and I am all about prepping because 
I've been in too many situations where I have gone towards my co-parent and I felt powerless in the way I was talking. It was nothing that had to do with him. It was everything that had to do with the way I prepared. And so on top of that, I would like to add the emotionality to prepping, to speaking with your co-parent, because you can make all of the lists, but how do you approach your co-parent in a way where you feel emotionally sane and you feel emotionally connected to your truth? And so for me, this includes the list that you're talking about. And this also includes taking the time before and getting really clear on how I'm feeling inside of my body. And so um, what I'll usually do is I bring awareness to, you know, okay, what are these thoughts that are going on in my mind? What are the beliefs I have around what's going on? How can I shift my beliefs to correlate with what I want to actually happen? And also what are the sensations in my body that I'm feeling too? And so something that you guys can do to go along with this list that you're creating is also take the time to release the charge that the stress you're probably having towards the situation has in your body. And so I like to use breath work. If you follow me, you know that I am being certified in breath work and I'm like major, like breath work changes everything. Um, so you can use tools like breath work to release the charge that the stress has on your body when you are going into this new state of being with your co-parents. And so the preparation is key. I love that you brought up preparation because when you are making this list of things to do, you will also get to go and prepare your emotional state as well, which is so absolutely. Important. I think the other part to it as well. So for me, it's a three-step process. The second step is obviously having the conversation. So I don't need to concentrate on that too much. But the third part of it is the follow-up. So if you're looking at it as a business type situation, normally you let someone know that you want to have a meeting before you have it. Then you have the meeting. And then after the meeting, you send them an email letting them know what happened. So if you're having the conversation face-to-face, what I advise is that you've got the agenda points in front of you and you just flip them around at the end and go, cool, you happy with this? And then just sign off on it at the bottom. Knowing that you're going to be adapting to change at some point in the future because your kids may be two or they may be seven, but eventually they're going to be older than that and their situations are going to change and you're going to have to adapt to change as well. But in the meantime, you've got something in writing that you're both agreeing to and you're both walking out of that conversation, maybe feeling a little bit awkward because it was so regimented and agenderized, if that's even a word. But you walk out of it feeling a lot better than what you would have if you didn't have that level of preparation, the agenda, the rules or the standards for the conversation beforehand. Totally. And it, it brings a sense of empowerment to you. You, so much of the time when we feel out of control, that's when our emotions start going crazy and our reactions start not aligning with the outcome we want. And so having that sense, you know, we can't control our partner, obviously, we can't control our co-parenting partner, but we can control ourselves. We can take responsibility, prepare and um, prepare our emotions as well. And so can we dive into, um, I know we are going to talk about holding space for our other co-parents boundaries. And I think this is a great time to do that. How do you hold space for your co-parents boundaries while holding space for your own boundaries? Well, I know that when I I try and think about it in my own situation and I think about what I like when I'm with my son, Oscar, and and with um, my wife and uh, I like to, we like to go out and we like to do things and socialise and have days out and those sorts of things. And when he turns around and says, I'd like to call mum, can I give mum a call? 
then that's perfectly fine. That happens as well. So um, I think that she wholeheartedly respects that and I try and copy and paste the same thing in return. So when he is with her, I don't necessarily make contact unless it's 100% necessary to do so. Um, but he's also free to give me a call and have a, a quick five-minute video call. And generally that's all it is as well because we're aware that while we're having a chat with our son, that there's probably stuff going on in the background. So we'll, we'll make sure that it's, you know, not, without hurrying him up, we'll tidy it up so it's not dragging on for an hour or 45 minutes or whatever it is. Um, but we really respect each other's time and space. Um, I think that we are all for, at Changeover now, five years on, we are all for um, having a coffee at Changeover. So she'll come in, take a seat, we'll pop the kettle on, have a chat, um, and, and vice versa as well. Um, the things for us, the landscape for us has definitely changed, but I think having those standards of her time is her time and my time is my time with the allowance to, you know, and, and being fully accept, accepting of, the, of that as well um, is very important. And it also brings up the allowance for yourself to work on yourself in that time that you don't have your children. Um, yep. And I if you do that, that brings in the sustainability part of it because you're going to be much less emotional moving forward. Yeah, you know, I love the part where you brought up that when we do have the space to take care of ourselves and grow as individuals, because we like to look at, you know, not being with our, our kids' parents as this bad, shameful thing. But why can't we just look at it as a thing where we get the chance to work on ourselves? I mean, that's pretty cool. There, like, Who were we before we had kids? Right? Yeah. So that's pretty cool. Um, and I'd like to take the conversation to Laura's, of course, the emotionality of this. Okay. <laughs> I don't know why it's echoing so bad right now again. I've turned mine down, so you're good from my end. If anyone can let us know if it's echoing on their end. It's definitely me. Okay, there we go. <laughs> okay, so when we talk about holding space for our co-parents, um, I like to talk about the emotional sense of that because I, my, my son's dad is here all of the time. We are with each other so much and this was really hard for me because I would literally feel the, the energy getting sucked out of me. I'm gonna take these headphones out. I would literally feel the energy getting sucked out of me because our truths didn't align. Our boundaries were different. Um, and it took me getting really clear on my truth. It took me getting really clear on my boundaries in order to hold space and recognize, you know, that he has different boundaries and that's totally okay. We are at different states of healing. We are at different states of being and that's totally okay. And so going back to what I was talking about, about releasing um, your emotions and releasing the sensations in your body before you go and have that conversation. It's really important to do that because when you come from a state of being all razzled up, being all stressed out, and you go and approach your conversation in that state, you can't hold space for how your um, your co-parent is feeling. Because yeah, chances like are, I mean, maybe they have these tools, but maybe they don't. If yeah. you are just taking responsibility for yourself and it's not like a, a thing where they're working with a coach with you, right? 
if it's just you in the process of growth, then they probably don't have these tools. And so it's really important for you to take this responsibility and really release these emotions, take time to release the charge that they have on you. And so you can approach the conversation without fear, without stress, um, really holding that ground for yourself and being able to hold space um, for whatever the other person is feeling. So like, mm. okay, I'm stuck in my truth. Like I am grounded in my truth. Let me just hold space. And I recognize that whatever you're feeling and maybe whatever you're throwing out at me is not necessarily true. It doesn't have anything to do with me. It has everything to do with your own healing journey. And so I can just hold this space being super clear on how I feel about myself and my boundaries. So a, a nice little thing that I heard about this, um, four words, hurt people, hurt people. So if someone is hurting you, it's probably because they're hurting twice as much. Um, so understanding, and, and this is what a lot of my clients get to, they get to the point where they're, uh, they're understanding that when they're in those hostile type situations, when they're getting a bit of stuff thrown at them um, verbally, that it's not necessarily about them, that they're probably hurting. They might've had something just happen to them, or maybe the conversation is triggering a previous experience. So being able to go, stop, take a step back, let them vent, let them get out what they need to get out. This is actually a healing thing for them right now to be able to do this. And then at the end of this, turn around and go, hey, are you okay? Is there something I can help you out with? And being that support person from an unexpected source and understanding at the same time that they're probably not going to take on your support because you're the ex, but being there for them throughout that, that will help you get to more towards that, that friendship sort of level or the, the positive co-parenting level by able, being able to be there as a support person just by saying something like that, stopping, halting, thinking, and then saying that. Mm -hmm. Love that. And let me, let me just mention the importance of the energy that you come at this action with. If Absolutely. you are coming at this action of, okay, what do you need out of desperation of you actually need something too, instead of a state of wholeness, then yeah. that's what they're going to feel. And that's what you're going to, that's what they're going to reflect onto you. And so yeah. you have to come into this conversation, into this action from a state of wholeness, from a true state of, okay, I'm here to hold space for what you need because I'm whole and I can yeah. do that. Complete humility yep. it needs to be. Um, if you come in listening to reply instead of listening to understand, you'll fail. Yeah, yeah, totally. Love that. Cool. This is so good. So let's <laughs> let's transition into reinventing what parenting parenting rules look like as look a co-parent because, because I know, I know. with yep. my experience, you know, I came in this like Christian woman, like okay, mom does this, dad does that. But when you're a co-parent, that's not really the reality. And also there's this reputation of, you know, if you're a, a single mom, you have to take up the dad's role. If you're a single dad, you have mm -hmm. to take up mom's role. And that's also not the reality. You get to just be yourself. And so I'd love to hear what you have to say about this. Well, I've been in a relationship for three years. So um, I kind of have to say, and, and now we're married. So I... So now it's a little bit different. It hasn't changed too much. We've still got mum and dad role. As far as Oscar's concerned, he's got two mums and two dads. And he'll go and tell everyone at school that he's got two mums and two dads. I love that. And it's it's a really beautiful thing to be able to provide that for for um, someone who is so young and innocent and vulnerable as a child to be able to provide that sort of 
safe environment where they're they're proud um, to go to school and tell their friends about it. Um, coming back to how uh, what my roles and how maybe co-parenting has changed the roles as a mother and father, I think early on in the piece, um, because you feel like you've got to do everything for them at that time uh, when you've got them. Um, I think especially if you're both single, it can translate into I have to do everything for them all the time. So your care doesn't switch off in your mind when you have when you don't have care of them physically. So if he goes to his mum's house, my mind is still ticking over. And I probably notice that come back the other way with um, uh, her mind doing the same sort of thing. It took a lot of, it took more so time to be able to learn how to switch off from that part of it and understand that, you know, my time is my time. And then when I'm with Oscar, it's our time. Um, and I can switch off during that time. Um, it's, I always used to say it was a really weird thing to say, but you really get used to single parenting over time. And it's a, it's actually a really nice thing to be a single parent and have that, especially in a co-parenting situation, if you've got the um, opportunity to have that time to yourself, it's a really, um, really nice thing to be able to have that time on your own. Um, and people, used to always kind of look at me weird and say, well, how can you not want to be with the kids? How can you not want to be with your kids? But I think that maybe that's them losing the definition of who they are as a person and becoming more of they, they are a mother or they are a father. Yeah. Um, my role, my definition of my role as a father didn't necessarily change too much. Obviously you take on a little bit more when you've got them. Um, if at any point she needed something, um, I would get it for her straight away, um, but and, and vice versa. Um, but yeah, I, I, I struggle with that one. I'm interested. This was the point I was looking at, and I'm like, I want to hear what Taylor has to say about this one here. So I'm going to throw it over to you because well, this one, your your kettle of fish, I think. <laughs> yeah. So you know. We are told that these mothering roles include this, that, and this. You know, you are supposed to cook, you're supposed to clean, you're supposed to do that. And nowadays, you know, working is included sometimes. But then when the single mom thing gets thrown at you or the single dad thing, I'm not a dad, so I don't know. But I'm just assuming gets thrown at you. You're like, okay, I have this, that, and that. And now it just gets confusing because that whole definition of what you expected before is now totally different because you have to take on that role or it feels like you have to take on that role of dad too. And so it's like this battle of um, trying to make up for not being with your kids' parents. It's like trying to make up for that energy that's quote unquote lost when it's not really lost. Um, and my opinion on this, what I teach is that who freaking cares? <laughs> it's not, not it, it doesn't matter. You get to define your roles. And, yeah. so, and so I think really it's important, important here to, to actually, actually create your own roles. Your own roles. How do you want to live? Can you be Can okay you with the situation, with the situation that, you're that you're at? And so this looked like for me, you know, um, living with my son's dad. And so there was this whole, there was this transition period of um, 
it's not okay to be a co-parent that I went through. It's not okay to not be with my son's dad, you know, that conditioning. Um, and really being able to accept myself in that, that it, it is okay. What we're doing is okay. And then it's not okay to be living with my son's dad. Like, who does that? What the heck? You yeah. know? Um, and it was just, okay, These this role of mom doesn't have to be the certain thing. It gets to be whatever the heck I want it to be. I get to have my own business. I get to be this passionate person. I get to... Um, I get to play with my son how maybe his dad plays with him. Or if I don't want to, I don't have to fill that space. Yeah. I get to be empowered with who I am. I don't have to fill that space of dad because his dad's got that. And even yeah. if his dad wasn't in the picture, which he's an amazing dad, he is in the picture. But if his dad wasn't in the picture, I still don't have to fill that space because that's not who I am. Who I am yeah. is enough. You take up your role, I think, as your child needs it. What you've just said has reminded me of um, a moment where uh, Oscar's mum was working one night when I was dropping him off to her house and his stepdad was going to be looking after him that night and I think through the next morning as well because I think she had an early shift or mm -hmm. something along those lines. And he was so excited because he got a boys' night, mm -hmm. right? And I was dropping him off to this boys' night with his stepdad. Yeah. And for a lot of people that I talked to, that would have been so difficult emotionally to be able to comprehend doing that in the first place. Um, getting over any sort of jealousy or anything like that in the meantime, because I'm with him for the few days beforehand and I know that it's coming up. But I didn't feel any of that at that point because I'm so happy with what we have as, as a relationship and what we've really worked hard to get to as well. I was so excited for him and his stepdad was so excited as well. Um, and it was a really great experience. So I think coming back to what the roles are, I think the roles are whatever your child is telling you that they need at the time, I would say do your best to give it give it to them within reason. Mm, I love so that. So if they're asking for an Xbox, then you're probably not going to go out and get them an Xbox. <laughs> but whatever they are feeling like they need emotionally at the time or attention-wise or if they need someone to play with or something like that and you're there and they're asking you, then that's your role. Yeah, and I yeah. think that you, if, if we try and keep it really simple, um, it wasn't my role to have the boys' night with mm. his, with him. it was his stepdad's role to have the boys' night. Yeah. And, um, and it was a really, uh, it was an amazing thing to be able to be a part of that, even if I was just the transport. Um, but to have something like that happen in his life and me be witness to it was really beautiful. Yeah, you know, it takes away, that's daddy's job. Or that's mommy's job, you know? That's something that I've been around my whole life. That's like a conditioning thing, right? That's mommy's job, that's daddy's job. So when it turned into all of my job or all of my son's dad's job, for a while, it was just all of my job. And I didn't let him take on that role of being 100% his parent too. Because yeah. I was so caught up in, okay, now that I'm a single mom, I have to do it all. I have to take this responsibility. Mm. Yeah, we, we repeat patterns wholeheartedly. Um, we, we take on what we experience as kids. And I think that, that comes out in um, triggered emotions, um, in conversations and those sorts of things as well. So, it, I mean, it's all connected. Yeah. And this, this brings me to saying, you know, this is an amazing, amazing space that you get to heal. If none of this happened, you wouldn't get to heal these spaces inside of you and become yeah. more of a whole person. And so that's okay. 
Like it's okay. Everything that's that's happening is supposed to be happening. So let's finish finish this off. We are running a little bit late, but that's okay because this is like super good. Um, so I would love to just go a little tiny bit more into you know from a dad's point of view, from a mom's point of view. So how has co-parenting been? How has the transition been? What has been maybe like a top thing that you have gone through um, yeah. as a dad becoming a co-parent? As a dad becoming a co-parent. Um, for, for me, I feel like my goal was always to try and be her best friend. Um, and if I got close, then the relationship would be good. Um, so that didn't always come out the right way. Um, and early on in the piece, before I took the responsibility to make the change within myself, because that's the only change that I can make, um, there, was, there was some bad times. There was restraining orders. There was um, court. There was I was um, put in a, a jail cell um, for a little bit overnight um, just to calm down. Um, and it was always, it's not my fault. It's not my fault. It's not my fault. Um, the biggest transition came when I just stopped and helped her. Um, and that's what really kickstarted my growth as, as an adult, yeah. I'd say more than anything else. So it then, um, progressed my, uh, my career um, not through doing this stuff, but what I was doing at the time, it actually made me go, I was thinking about quitting my job. And then I sort of took responsibility for it and then uh, and ended up getting a, a promotion or a couple of promotions oh. because I took responsibility for it rather than saying it's their fault or it's her fault or it's that person's fault. I took responsibility for it and said to myself, okay, what if it's my fault? It could all be circumstantial. But if it is absolutely my fault, no matter what it is that's happening to me right now, if it's 100% my fault, what would I do next? Yeah. What could I do next? And that's just ultimate responsibility. Like anything that happens in my life, doesn't matter if a car comes out of nowhere and takes out the front of my car, right, and I have right of way, if that was my fault in any possible way, what could I have done and what would I do next? Yeah. Right? Yeah. And if it was my that. fault... And and that was, that did happen. A car did come out of nowhere and they did the wrong thing and they took me out of the intersection. If I was okay, the first thing that you would have to do is get out and make sure they're okay. Yeah. Yeah. So ultimate responsibility leads you to much better decisions. And I think that that was a turning point for me. And that was probably two years into co-parenting. So we went through two years of a lot of, a lot of bad stuff. Um, we had some good stuff in there, but I think the real good stuff started to come out, um, the transition point for me was when I started to really take that ultimate responsibility for myself and start looking at it as I need to be her best friend. Yeah, um, yeah. Not trying to twist her mind or anything like that, but what would a best friend do in this situation? Mm. A best friend wouldn't yell at her right now. A best friend would see if she's okay. Um, a that. best friend would be on her doorstep as the first person if there was any wind of anything going wrong at all. Um and that's what I really tried to aim to be and do and come from a really genuine and authentic place because when we were together, we really were best friends. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't a hard thing to sort of get through my mind because I knew all the good stuff about her already. Um, and to this day, it's still very genuine and authentic and we still joke around and 
all those sorts of things we're working on at the moment. We've realized that we haven't actually caught up just us two for a coffee in a really long time and it's been a big year. So we're working on trying to figure out at the moment um, with work and care and all that sort of stuff when we can um, catch up for a quick coffee and just chill out. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's being authentic, being genuine, taking ultimate responsibility for yourself and everything that happens in your life. That was the biggest thing for me. I love that. And I have two things. Um, number one, I want to address the moms who are sitting here watching this and seeing how amazing of a co-parent you are. And I can feel that you're probably, you know, wishing that maybe your <laughs> co-parent would be like that. And I just want to address that you can't control the other person. Like you can't control the other side Absolutely. and that's okay. And it's okay that maybe, um, maybe it's not that he's responding like how you're responding right now. Like that's okay, mm -hmm. but you can yeah. take responsibility for yourself. And that's exactly what you've done as the yeah. other side. And so I know it's difficult being a mom um, and also probably being a dad seeing like amazing mom co-parents and then maybe your mom co-parent isn't doing what you want them to do, but vice yeah. versa as a mom seeing a dad um, do that. And it can feel like very like, oh, well, he does all that, but mine like sucks. Mine like left and didn't come back, you know? I think and it's for me, if you take the gender part out of it, mm -hmm. some the cycle just had to stop. The exactly. cycle and crap just needed to stop. And it was only going to stop if I changed something that I was doing. Mm -hmm. So it was a whole mindset shift for me, but it was, and it took a long time. There was a lot of sideways steps. There was a lot of backward steps, but I was on that journey. And what I try and do now is take what I did in three, four years and pile it down into six mm -hmm. months and yeah. have that level of accountability through it so that people can touch base throughout the program and get from what they might rate as a one out of 10 relationship at the start to a seven, eight, nine out of 10 by the end of the six months. So really fast track and progress that, that progress. Um, but I think if you take the gender roles out of it, all you need to do is if you, you are watching this is just do exactly the same thing. You know, the good bits of your co-parent because you were with them. You might've been, it might've been a one night stand. I've got a client who had a one night stand and he now rates his relationship at a nine out of 10. It's ridiculous, right? But, it, and that progress is unreal what he's been able to do, but he was able to do that. So he knew them for that long and he's able to do that. But a lot of people out there have been with their co-parent in a previous life for years. So they know the good bits. They know what attracted them to that person in the first place. That person is still hidden under all of the stuff that's going on just like the person that you always were is still hidden under the stuff that's going on at the moment. Mm -hmm. And I think that acknowledging that they do have the good stuff, even though you're mostly being exposed to the bad stuff, concentrating, no, nah, there's good under there. There's good under there. I want to be there for them. I want to help them get that out. And having being genuine about that and being authentic about it and being able to concentrate on that part of it. So when they are venting, you go, cool, they're just venting. Yeah. And so let me, let me say this, let me finish this out and say this, that in order to hold that space and in order to um, let them just be there, however they're going to be, um, and see the realness of really who they are, of remembering your past relationship and all of that, you have to remember yourself first without the stress. 
And so when you have that stress in your body and when you have all of that charge in your body, you can't remember yourself before that. And so like raise your hand if right now you're feeling so consumed by stress that you're placing blame on your co-parent or you're feeling anger or resentment, even if it's deep down inside of you, even if you're like, yes, like I want a good co-parenting relationship, but deep down inside of you, there's some of that resentment that's stopping you from that relationship. Yeah. You have to take responsibility for yourself and be like, okay, what is showing up in my co-parent right now that is maybe present in myself that I need to heal? Because whatever is being reflected onto you is something that you need to heal within yourself. Yeah. So look inside of yourself. What, what's showing up in them? What's making me angry about them? What's making me feel resentment with them? How can I fill that spot in myself? How can I look at that spot in myself that's feeling anger and resentment? Care for that spot in myself. Meet that spot with love. Understand what it's trying to tell me and fill that spot first before I go and have contact with that person and hold space for them. Excellent. We could go on. We could go, we could go on for like hours. Um, but I have a meeting after this. <laughs> All right. So we're going to end this. Um, as you guys can see, Chris is all about like the fundamentals. He gives you like such great value on how to, how to go at this from like tools and th that sort of view. And I love that so much. It's such a great pair with what I teach on the emotionality. So if you're wanting to dive into like the tools, go see Chris. If you want to dive into emotional healing, come see me. Um, I have a program I'm offering as well. Um, and I'm just so happy to be doing this. This was such a great time. So Go on over, follow Chris, come follow me, um, and connect with us. Absolutely. Anything else you want to say? Uh, just work on your, I think the effective and the sustainable, to put it in really, really quickly, you can make effective choices um, by focusing on the, the tools and the structures and the material and all those sorts of things. If you can, um, effective co-parenting is really quite easy if you let go of your ego. Um, the yes. sustainable part of the co-parenting only comes from working on yourself. And I think, yeah. um, Taylor, with what you're doing, um, you get a, I get a lot from you about working on myself as well, breath work, meditation, um, those sorts of uh, the, uh, opening up to spirituality was something that I found very difficult about four or five months ago. But uh, in yeah. following you has really, really helped me out. So um, through working on yourself, you'll get the sustainability with your effective co-parenting as well. So um, that'd be my two tips. Make it effective, keep it sustainable. Love it. Alrighty. So I'm going to let you guys go. Um, I got a meeting. I got to pop on to actually I'm late, but that's okay. Okay. Thank Sorry you so much, Chris. I'll see you later. I'll see you guys later. Bye. Hey guys. Bye. So as you can see, Chris and I have very different styles of approaching coaching co-parenting and both are so important when it comes to feeling empowered in conversations with your co-parent because you have to, have to, have to have these tools that he's giving you and you have to have the emotional responsibility to it. You have to know how to heal your emotions. You have to do that work inside of yourself because if you're not doing that work inside of yourself, you are allowing your fears and you are allowing these limitations, these limiting stories that you have inside of your brain completely take over the conversation. So it's so important to take emotional responsibility, come back to yourself and use the tools that he gives you to go and have a successful conversation.
If you haven't already, go follow Chris over on Instagram. The link to it is in the show notes. And also don't forget to go join the Every Single Mom community over on Facebook, where we dive deeper into topics around single motherhood, co-parenting, everything that goes in those topics. We get down, and I was going to say we get dirty, but I'm going to leave that part out. Probably not, though. I cannot wait to see you next time and I can't wait to share what the next episode brings to you. I love you so much. Thank you for joining us today.